Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Very excited to talk to my next guest. His name is Amon Reyna, and he is an investment analyst and investment coach. And it's kind of cool, actually, how he ended up on this podcast because he was reading my blog. Thank you. And he uh, commented on a post. I think that the post that I was talking about, um, thinking about becoming a money coach, he commented on my blog, got to chatting, and bam, he's on my podcast now. So we're going to be talking about how he went from working in the TSX to uh, being his own investment coach. And the difference that I think, the, the reason I kind of wanted him on the show is to explore what an investment coach means. It's not an, inv- an advisor. And I think that's kind of where people get a little bit confused. An investment coach more teaches people about the fundamentals of investing and you know personal finance so people can use those tools and be smarter investors themselves and not have to rely on an advisor to do all of that legwork. So I'm very excited to talk about all of this cool stuff coming up. Thank you, Amon, for joining me on the show today. Very good. Thank you for inviting me to, uh, to your pod. Your pod. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. And I, it's, it's great to have you on the show. Um, and thanks for reaching out. The reason that I, I um, you know, asked you to be on the show, as you remember, is you, I wrote a blog post about um, money coaching because it's something that I'm interested in pursuing down the road. And you commented on my blog and I'm like, huh, this would be a good guy to chat with on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, let's kind of just jump, uh, jump into it. It seems kind of from your um, career timeline and school, you were always pretty interested in investing in personal finance, but kind of what, you know, how did you get interested in that? Oh boy. My, my journey is probably a lot different than, um, a lot of other people that have kind of gone down the road of finance and personal finance. Um, it all started off, you know, nicely in that, you know, I went to school and did my, uh, undergrad in, uh, commerce and, uh, I specialize in finance and accounting, so I took all the all the courses you needed to do to be a good finance, a good little finance boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know your your standard corporate finance and uh, your tax courses and all your accounting courses, reading financial statements and everything like that. Did did it? Uh, went there, did it, done it, and uh, after that, I uh, after I finished my degree there, I uh, I decided because I thought it was a good time while a lot of things were fresh in my mind, I jumped on board and did the uh, securities course, mm-hmm. the uh, Canadian securities course, so uh, which helped uh, quite a bit in terms of uh, understanding a lot. You know, it was just easier to do at the time. A lot of things fresh in your mind, mm-hmm. and so uh, when I finished it, actually, then my road kind of changed a bit, and I thought I would get into finance and uh, and that side of it, but I found that my first job that I got out of university was more. Uh, I was doing some like uh, basic like cost accounting kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, um, and I was working in Ottawa too. Mm-hmm. Um, for for uh, I got like a basic contract kind of job, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just during that time um, I had a chance to dabble in some uh, programming and some uh, um, programming and developing some kind of like software and stuff. And I oh. go, and I go. So I, you know, I knew nothing about any of this stuff. So I was just totally like, okay, sure, I'm out of school. I'll just uh, give it a go, see how it goes. And but it was a, a really, you know, matter of fact kind of chance thing that I thought this is really cool. Like if I kind of like, and I was able to put together like a little dorky little Excel 
um, program that I could mm-hmm. give to a bunch of engineers and they could figure out how to cost uh, a bunch of uh, manufacturing processes and stuff. And so at the time I thought, you know what, if I could combine, you know, if I can get a little bit more training on how to be like a programmer kind of thing, mm-hmm. I can understand the technology side, combine it with the business, the, mm-hmm. my financial knowledge and everything that, you know, I could probably get a good gig out of that. Yeah. So uh, I went back to school. Mm-hmm. And I did like one of those little uh, 12-month kind of uh, IT kind of diploma kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and I learned a lot about programming and stuff. And that's kind of how I ended up um, – when I finished it, my, the first job I got out of it was, was with the Toronto Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. And so this was at the time, if anybody remembers, when mm-hmm. there was actually a trading floor. Like, you know, if you remember yes. the, the whole like Wall Street, Bay Street kind of vibe where you had a trading floor and there was a whole wow. bunch of people yelling at each other and swearing at each other and buying and selling stocks, you know, just like our like our parents, you know, would know about it and stuff. And so at the time when I started there, I was uh, I got a chance to hang out on the trading floor. And this was the time when, if you remember, and if your viewers remember or your uh, listeners remember, uh, everything that happened with Briax, mm-hmm. um, that stock, which was like one of the biggest, uh, everybody wanted to own it. It was like a gold company. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say they discovered this huge mine in Indonesia and it was the stock was just flying. It was going from like, you know, 50 cents to like $50. Oh, wow. And it was the, the Nortel ish kind of. Uh, and what year, was, what year did that, that happen? That was probably 96. Seven, mm-hmm. 90, 1997, 98. Mm-hmm. So that was the time. And uh, that was my first job really working on Bay Street and wow. everything. And, uh, you know, it was a great time. But it was at the time they were actually, the trading floor was there. But then they were starting to uh, wind it down. Right. Because everything was becoming about automated trading and mm-hmm. technology and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was less away from the human trading aspect of it. But but it was my first, you know, that was my foray into it. And wow. when I got into it, you kind of like get into the uh, the vibe of the whole scene. And I thought, you know, I really like this kind of, I'd really like to, you know, being around that environment and being around the investing environment. I thought I'd, you know, try to learn a little bit more based on, you know, leverage stuff that I learned from school and uh, try to try to start investing for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started trying to look around for information on, on you know, um, financial research mm-hmm. on, you know, how to on companies and stocks and, you know, how to how to pick stocks and stuff. And it's quite, a you know, the best place to do that was was the Toronto Stock Exchange. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. You're like got everything there for you at your fingertips. And uh, but I, what I found, though, was a lot of that information and the research that you found out there was very it wasn't very credible. Okay. Um, there was a lot of biases, and I was just seeing there's a lot of biases and conflicts that you find when you see, um, you know, analysts write reports and and things like that. And and I just I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of the information that I saw out there. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. And so then I kind of flash back to. Uh, when I was in school and my last year in university and mm-hmm. we had to write a project on a, on a, on a financial and investment concept mm-hmm. or topic. And so I picked one and it was called, I found it on Fortune magazine and it was all about economic value added. It's just another way that you can use another measurement that you could use to measure the true performance of, of, of a company. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about it is it filters out a lot of the accounting hocus pocus and mumbo jumbo that you can use to manipulate your earnings and mm-hmm. profits and it gives you a much more pure uh, assessment of a company. So I wrote a little dorky report, analyzed a bunch of companies, and uh, you know gave it to my prof. 
And he told me, eh, nice report, Amon, but, uh, you know, it's, it's probably just a fad. It's not going to amount to anything. So, you know, whatever. I got my mark, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and all that. So, uh, you know, I moved on. And then, you know, I flash forward um, my time when I was working at the Toronto State, uh, TSX. Uh, I was in the library doing some research on some stuff. And I came across a report uh, yeah. on a, in a financial journal talking yeah. about economic value added. And it was talking about how it was like one of the, the best ways to value and measure a company. And it's a much more effective way of picking stocks using this kind of uh, format. Mm-hmm. And it was written by that same professor. <gasps> did he steal? Did he rip off your essay? Or your... And you know what? And you know, what? I sat there and go, this guy just steal my gig. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was just like, really? Wow. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. So I'm going, so at first I was like, Okay, that's really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. But then the next thing I thought, you know, over time, I just realized, you know what? I'm having a hard time finding really cool, credible uh, research or investment data or investment information. So I started taking that stuff that I learned, mm-hmm. kind of polished it up a bit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of built up my own little database mm-hmm. of companies, uh, specifically, you know, Canadian companies, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, where I was interested in mm-hmm. at the time. And I built up a pretty big database of uh, a lot of Canadian companies, most of the companies on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And it was at a point, like several years later, I just sort of decided, you know what, like I've always had something, a fire in my belly to go out and do something on my own mm-hmm. type thing. So um, after a few years, I basically decided, you know what? I'm going to take a shot. Mm -hmm. And I basically went out on my own and Mm -hmm. kind of quit my job, essentially, Mm -hmm. and uh, became uh, my own, uh, hung on my own shingle and started my own little consulting company, really, um, specializing in in investment research, investment analysis. And Mm so I was doing quite a bit of work, um, um, you know, selling my research and working with individual portfolio managers to, you know, uh, they're looking at doing specific analysis on different industries and things like that and companies. And so I would kind of help out and give a, give some analysis and provide some analysis mm-hmm. and that, and which was cool. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to be into and what I wanted to do. So I thought, yeah. Um, but then over time, I just, you know, when I was working, most of my work that I was doing was more with the institutional side of things. Right. And, uh, but the, I would always get questions from people um, just, you know, run of the mill people about, you know, they would be sharing their experiences with me on how really they've been getting kind of screwed and ripped mm-hmm. off on by their advisor or by a bank and their investments haven't been doing well mm-hmm. and they've been struggling and they're just kind of drifting along and not really having any feel like they're having any control or any um you know, a goal or an yeah. end point with yeah. what they want it with, with their investment. They're working hard. They're saving all their money. They're trying to do the right things. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're going like, like I'm not getting anywhere with this stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure over, that's a sentiment that a lot of people listening yeah. right now can yeah. agree with and myself included. There's so many times where I'm like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. But then I look right. at my investments. I'm like, what the hell? I feel like they could be doing better. Exactly. And so, you know, I was always getting these questions and, you know, I would do my best to kind of, you know, answer it and try to give them some kind of, you know, direction on how to how to do things and Mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, my focus was still really on the institutional side. And but over time, you know, then we had, you know, in 2000, we had the dot com disaster. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, then we had the Asian crisis. And then, you know, in 2008, we had the the financial crisis Mm -hmm. and, you know, stocks of getting, you know, there's just been crisis 
after, after crisis, crisis after crisis. And people's portfolios have been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And it's just over time, I just noticed is people are just feeling so exasperated and helpless. Yep. And you saying, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do we change this? And yeah. what you've been seeing now over the last, you know, since maybe 10 years or so is just that emergence of people just saying, you know what? I'm not getting anywhere with the status quo Mm -hmm. and I'm going to start, I need to start empowering myself and doing this stuff on my own. And I Mm -hmm. need to like, you know, whether I need to go out and read a book or take a course or Mm -hmm. go read a bunch of blogs or get on the internet and just people are just now starting to have been really empowering themselves to learn and make investment decisions for themselves. I agree. And, And that's, that's a trend and it's, it's, continuing and you know i really don't see it changing any any difference so that's kind of like a little bit of the dynamic mm-hmm. of the environment sort of like how the world's kind of evolved a little bit in maybe the last 10 15 years absolutely um bringing it back to me <laughs> i guess um you know i'm just the guy doing you know as i'm seeing all this i'm going to myself i'm you know as, as my career evolved i kind of was working on the investment research side and consulting side but i was also uh, splitting my time also being a, as, a, as a manager, as a project manager, doing some other stuff too uh, on the side. And being a manager, you're, you're, you're in the people business, right? Mm-hmm. You're engaged with people and you're, you're kind of developing a lot of, um, you know, the goal as a manager is you want to get people to do things, right? And get yeah. to things in a productive way. And there's the, you know, take out a, a whip and get people, whip people in the shape of doing things, that management style. But then there's also what I've learned over that side of my career is that you can get people to do a lot more things through building relationships with them mm-hmm. and developing a kind of a coaching relationship with them where you're not necessarily telling people, yo, go do this kind of yeah. thing. But yeah. you're kind of enabling people, um, engaging them, providing support, mm-hmm. um, rather be emotional or technical kind of support Mm -hmm. to getting people to do things that they that they need to do Mm -hmm. and so over time I just kind of realized as I was building up this competency or this kind of skill set and seeing people struggling really with the with their investments and trying to make better investment decisions I thought you know what maybe there's a way that I can leverage um, both kind of sides of the of the skill set bringing kind of menging sort of the technical side of, of teaching people um, how to make, um, you know, the, the, the mechanics of, of investing and combine that with sort of like a mentoring kind of building a mentoring kind of relationship mm-hmm. um, through coaching that will kind of uh, make people more aware of their behaviors with, with, with respect to how they make their decisions. Mm-hmm. And if you, I thought, you know, if you can combine those things, I think people can, um, It'll first of all empower people more, and I think make help them make better investment decisions. And so over time, I kind of sort of tweaked my approach and whittled myself away from the institutional crowd, yeah. the Bait Street crowd, mm-hmm. and really started focusing more on on individual people and groups um, that were looking to to that were investing, but kind of you know needed somebody to kind of have that uh, third party. Um, to bounce ideas on how went on decisions that they're facing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sort of the genesis of all the kind of investment coaching um, concept that I've essentially developed. And so I, I sort of morphed my practice away from investment research, but now to what I do now, which is investment coaching. Mm-hmm. Which I think is awesome because like, I, I completely agree with you. I feel like 
in the last decade, people are um, becoming more curious and, and trying to teach themselves and learn more about personal finance and investing because let's be honest, you know, most people are kind of unhappy yeah, with all these um, financial crises that have happened. Mm-hmm. They are seeing that they're not getting the bang for the buck that they thought. And they, you know, usually, you know, back in the day, um, you were able to go to a normal institution and invest your money with a financial planner and you would be able to see results. But now you aren't. And you're like, what am I using this guy for? I should, you know, and why am I, maybe I should take the the time and the energy to actually teach myself so I can get results myself. Yeah. And that's a lot of, that's a question I, I always get back when, when I tell people what I do and they say, well, you know, I can just go to, you know, Indigo and there's like mm-hmm. 500 um, you know, investment books or personal finance books, and there's the internet and yeah. the whole mountain of information you, you do that. And that's, that's the, and you can easily do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, you know what, you're absolutely right. If you're motivated and committed and you've got the time for it, mm-hmm. you can, uh, you can go make, you can do that on your own. But a lot of times, a lot of people still who are still venturing out on their own, they still need some kind of, um, human interaction in a mm-hmm. sense and a guide like i and think that's guide. definitely key like sometimes when you're starting something new like an education personal finance and you really don't know where to start it's nice to have someone to be like here are the starting points here are things mm-hmm. to consider to kind of just make it a little the transition a little bit easier so they yeah. don't feel overwhelmed and i think that's kind of the the scary part about personal finance is it can be overwhelming yes and see the thing about personal finance i almost think like um <laughs> i tell people like you know, personal finance is almost like the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about it, I don't know if you're into it. but Oh, I love Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, like to me, like you have in Game of Thrones, you have um, King's Landing yeah. and you have Winterfell. You have all these little places, yeah. right? And there's so many of these places and there's so much stuff going on mm-hmm. in all these places. There's so many moving parts that trying to piece all together how all that stuff works is really hard. Mm-hmm. And to me, like personal finance is like, essentially it's three kind of kingdoms. It's yeah. your saving kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's your debt management, your mm-hmm. budgeting debt management, I guess, kind of kingdom. And then there's your investment kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of moving parts. They're all like moving parts. And it's really hard to kind of juggle them all in a very seamless, interactive way. Yeah, it's very hard to find that balance. And that's like, I think, just like the an everlasting struggle. You'll always try to find balance, but sometimes you'll find in life that you're more focused on saving and investing or investing than, you know, paying off debt. You know, it's it's hard to kind of have everything working at the same time, you know, uh, seamlessly. And they're very complex thing, complex disciplines on their own. Like the mm-hmm. whole uh, saving discipline um, is very is a is a whole like concept on its own. It's a very vast and very um, intricate kind of uh, process. Investing is a whole mm-hmm. um, world essentially yeah. of concepts and ideas and theories. Uh, debt management is a whole other concept of, you know, concepts and ideas and disciplines. And, but what unites them all is essentially behavior. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. one of the key things, you know, in, in my time now being a coach is uh, when I started doing it, I was really more about the mechanics of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how to read an income statement, how to yeah. read a balance sheet, how to calculate a debt equity ratio, how to do a discount cash flow evaluation. Mm-hmm. Great. But <laughs> at the end of the day, what, really screws us up mm-hmm. is really our behaviors, yep. our emotions, our biases that we all inherit mm-hmm. that can cloud our judgment 
and make our decision making a lot harder. And as an investment coach, what I do is I try to make people at least more aware of their behaviors mm-hmm. so they can not necessarily eliminate them because yeah. it's impossible to eliminate these biases, but mm-hmm. it's but you're able to manage it better. Exactly. And it's good to be aware. Yes, because if you can combine the technical, um, number crunching, whatever you want to call it, side of investing or debt management or saving or whatever mm-hmm. with the emotional side of it mm-hmm. and have that awareness, I think that's your secret sauce. Totally. And, and that, I think, um, will separate does it guarantee uh, success? No, but I think it puts you in a much better position mm-hmm. um, to, to achieve success. And at the end of the day, it's about empowerment and not mm-hmm. being dependent upon other institutions um, for that, for achieving those goals. I totally agree. And that's one of the, I think, the reasons that I've been so interested and passionate about personal finance for so long is because once I started educating myself, I realized how powerful that education was and I felt more in control of my life. And personal finance is a huge, huge element of your life. And once you feel like you've got an understanding and a hold on that, uh, you know, it kind of, I I don't worry about money. I tell that to people all the time. Like, I don't worry about my money because I understand what's going on with it. Right. And it does, you know, evolve and change. But because I have that solid foundation and I think about it a lot. I write about it and talk about it a lot. It's not like this weird foreign mystery anymore. It's like, I, I got it. This is okay. And I, yeah. I can roll with the punches a lot easier. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I am curious about since you have been in the game for a while and you've helped uh, quite a few people, what are some of the most common questions that people ask you that they want to learn more about? Oh, gee, <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, the questions, the type of, it's not questions. It's issues. Mm-hmm. It's it's decision making. It's decision points, right? Okay. And that people face, and it ranges really from someone who's just you know starting, finished school, got their first job. They've mm-hmm. now got a little bit of uh, cash now um, that they've been able to save. Yeah. And they want to start investing. Yeah. And so I will get questions, or their face. People are are, are faced with that decision. Is like, how do I get the ball rolling? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and so what I usually do in that kind of case would be, you know, for people that are just brand new spanking new, yeah. um, what I do is I've developed some, um, some modules, some learning mm-hmm. modules. And what I do is I kind of spend time with them kind of, um, essentially teaching them, mm-hmm. um, some of the core fundamentals mm-hmm. of, of, of investing, um, in terms of how you make those investing decisions. And it really starts off with just understanding our capitalist system yeah. and understanding like how do, how do, how do people make, how do companies and individuals become wealthy? How do mm-hmm. they, became, how do they make money? Cause I, th- I think we live in a capitalist society, but I think we use the term so loosely, we don't even know what it means. I know. And, and it's kind of crazy to me still that, you know, this is such a huge part of our lives and mm-hmm. it's not taught in schools, but no, anyways, <laughs> it's, it's taught, but it's, um, it just doesn't jive with us at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could so, be, that could be it. So, uh, like a lot of things, <laughs> um, for me, it was chemistry that didn't jive with me at all. Uh, accounting, maybe I think it could click with me yeah. a bit there. Um, but it's like, I would just, uh, in that kind of situation or that kind of, uh, decision point, you know, I would walk them through understanding the fundamentals of how a company starts, how it, you know, um, raises money and how it raises capital and how it invests that capital and ultimately how it makes a profit off that capital. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately when you're investing, when you're buying a stock, you're buying, you're buying a business, mm-hmm. you're buying a company and you're buying people behind that company 
And you need to have that at least, and you don't have to like go get an MBA to figure this out. Yeah. You just need to have a basic fundamental understanding of how wealth is created. Because if you got that mm-hmm. as a foundation, then when you start adding some layers to it in terms of understanding some of the metrics involved about it and be able to pick off some metrics from it, mm-hmm. then you're going to be able to understand, hey, you know what? Apple, that's a pretty damn good company. I think I might want to look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about laying that foundation. So that in that kind of situation, that's what I would do and, and uh, with, with a beginner. Right. But at the same time, I'll get people um, who are – I'll get a situation where I've got somebody who's uh, three years away from retirement mm-hmm. and they've got a pension. They know they're going to get a pension um, but they're, they're unsure about how to – You know, they've got a TFSA uh, and they've invested in a bunch of mutual funds or stuff like that and they don't, they don't feel very comfortable with them and right. they're working with an advisor or something. And I, they would come to me and basically ask me, you know, can you just take a, you know, a second look at this and see, does this make sense? And the thing about coaching is it's not like I'm going to go and say, you know what, this is garbage or this mm-hmm. is good, this is bad. It's about kind of walking them through the portfolio. And at the end of the day, I want them, I want the, my, like the protege, I, I call people protégés. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want the protege to kind of have the aha moment and say, you know what, this doesn't make sense, what I'm doing. Or, oh, no, this is a really good thing. I think I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. And so what I do in the conversation that I'll have with them is I'm going to ask them some questions um, about their individual, uh, you know, their components of, that are in their portfolio, walk them through some fundamental issues that they need to examine and that they may need to follow up with, with mm-hmm. their advisor, questions that they may want to ask them. And it's really through that kind of interactive uh, exchange that – Ultimately, you want, I want the protege to have, be able to define the answer themselves. And that's really one, you know, one of the fundamental differences between a coach, mm-hmm. a coaching kind of relationship and the advisor relationship is an advisor is going to tell you what to do. Right. They're going to say, you know, Jessica, go, you know, put 20% of your money into bonds, you know, 80% of your money into stocks because your risk profile is X. Here are the stocks you should buy. Here are the mutual funds. Here are the ETFs mm-hmm. you should buy. That's mm-hmm. the advisor kind of relationship. A coaching relationship is where I'm essentially going to, first of all, give them some um, basic knowledge in terms of literacy, in terms of understanding what the various, um, like what an ETF is Mm -hmm. and what you need to look out for when you're evaluating an ETF or a stock or whatever. And really at the end of the day, it's the the protege is the one that's going to make that decision. Right. Um, So I'm not telling them they should do this. I'm just, we're having that conversation to facilitate and flesh out things that they think are ultimately going to be important. Because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, they're, um, they're accountable. Yeah, exactly. They're accountable for the, the the decision that they take and the path that they take, they're accountable for it. And by, through a coaching conversation, it, it really creates a more empowerment for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, um, that's a kind of like that's those type of questions. Another question I'm getting a lot recently yeah. is a lot to do with because of the uh, Canadian dollar falling. Yes, um, <laughs> it's made a lot of people kind of uh, done a lot. People have had a little bit more hand wringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to invest in like U.S. kind of stocks, uh, but the dollar has gone down so much. They're feeling like, oh, should I should I do that now? Does it make sense to to invest in U.S. companies mm-hmm. or U.S. stocks or U.S. denominated assets? Um, and I've get I get questions about you know um, 
different uh, strategies to deal with currency issues and things like that. And so a lot of times that conversation is revolving around, I'm going to talk about different strategies mm-hmm. um, in terms of how you can, you're not going to reduce your currency risk. You're going to, you have to manage it somehow. Yeah. So there's different paths that you can go and, and we'll talk in a, in a, in a conversation that I've done like that in that area, I've gone through those kind of strategies and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not telling them, well, this is better than this. Right. It's just here are these options out there that are, you know, cons- that are traditional schools of thought. Um, what, whatever makes sense for you in your in your comfort level, because mm-hmm. it's all about comfort level. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that then that that would be your path. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I get a lot of those. Since the dollar has been going down, I've been getting a lot of those questions. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. um, one last question before I let you go. Since um, I know you have a family and you're really passionate about financial literacy, what are some of the kind of key things that you are going to educate your children about so they'll be more informed when they're adults and they'll be able to maybe like tell their friends and we'll hopefully have a generation, the next generation and uh, next generations will be a little bit more savvy when it comes to money. Um, I think that's that the key word is is just to be more savvy about it. It's about being more engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, – it's and it's not just about just uh, understanding um, the mechanics of personal finance. I think it's also understanding your behaviors, your behavior, and your attitude towards money, mm-hmm. uh, because ultimately uh, your success and your ability to 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 manage money and manage your finances is going to be dictated by ultimately your behaviors towards money. Mm-hmm. I definitely learned that you know. 20 years ago when I started investing, it was all about numbers and quants, quantitative analysis and things like that. Uh, I can see now 20 years later that I, it, that stuff is still important. You still got to know some math. Mm-hmm. You got to know some formulas. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to be – it's more about awareness of, of biases and, and, that, and behaviors and, and controlling your emotions and developing a, a, a discipline and a rigor towards how you manage your money is ultimately going to put you over the top. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to – you know tell my kids that it's it's that it would be uh understand the mechanics of it be literate from that perspective but Mm -hmm. also be aware of your emotions and your your uh and and develop an internal uh discipline um towards money and a respect towards money Mm -hmm. um because money money is finite um and uh it doesn't yeah it doesn't grow on trees it doesn't what (laughs) surprise um and so you have to have a respect for it and it's even you know, capitalism, we live in a capitalist society. The fundamental basis of capitalism is money is scarce. Capital is scarce. And companies and businesses that can manage their scarce capital effectively are ultimately going to be the most valuable companies in, in the future. And so it's no different from um, taking that taking that mindset and bringing it down to your own personal situation. And that is some great advice. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 27. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Um, all you have to do is go momoneymohavses.com slash 27. And if you like what you hear, I would really appreciate an iTunes review or a review on Stitcher or just a nice email. That'd be nice. Just saying, just saying. Thank you so much again for tuning in and I will see you back here next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.